What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. Do you not have underwear for cleaning? Oh, uh, yeah, whatever's there, Maria, thanks. No, it's not there. It's socks and shirts, but no underwear. I just dropped my dirty stuff down there last night. Tons of underwear. Yeah, me too. It's not there. I told you someone was here. <laughs> what, you think someone broke in and stole our underwear? Uh-huh. Jesus. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from Palm Springs, California. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Only minutes, maybe hours, after I recorded the intro to last week's episode, where we had Sopranos expert Kevin Finnerty on the podcast, I came down with a brutal taste of salmonella while I was in Cabo. Uh, would not recommend... Would recommend Cabo, but would not recommend Salmonella. I'm just coming out of it now. One week of um, just fighting for my life. Not literally, but I think you guys know what I mean. Good episode this week with my old friend Connor Tool from Bro Bible. Last couple weeks we've had some new blood on the pod. A lot of new faces this season. So I want to just bring back a buddy for a fun episode. A very drama heavy episode. So, you know, every once in a while I had to mix it up and just have a guy that I know really well on. And it's uh, so it makes for a more fun conversation, in my opinion. All the usual stuff. Follow the social accounts at oh yeah Pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And also thanks to everyone who reached out after I pleaded last week for people to let me know if they're still listening. You know, I'm still a creator at the end of the day, and I can be insecure every once in a while. So it was nice to hear from people. I'm glad people are enjoying the pod, still listening every week, and uh, I'll keep going. I'll keep going through the end of the year, and then we'll see what's what uh, once we get to the end of season six. Enjoy the podcast, and I'll talk to you guys next Monday. My guest this week is the deputy editor of BroBible.com. We first had him on in season four for the Wee Ho Ho. He's dialing in from Brooklyn, New York. Connor Tool, welcome back to the Entourage podcast. Thank you for having me, JR. I appreciate it. It's been some time. We were just talking. You and I got together like the first week of February in 2020. And we were like, dude, we got to hang out more. And then we just didn't see each other for two and a half. Well, yeah, four. I forget why that happened. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, good to be back. So <laughs> I'm sure people would love to talk about for us to love to talk about that. Um, this is going to be fun, man. It's a it's a fun episode. No more drama. Episode seven of season six. It first aired on August 23rd, 2009. Connor, this is a question I did not ask you when I had you on two years ago, but where were you on this date? Not August 23rd, but where were you in August of 2009 in your life? So I was like a week away from getting ready for my freshman year of college. Um, I had just met my roommate um, at a Dave Matthews band concert in Hartford, Connecticut. (laughs) Um, it was still one of my best friends, so that worked out. Um, That's amazing. And I'm tr- not trying to blow up any spots, because I'm sure you'll cover this, but I know that like Party in the USA had just come out, because I, was, I remember <laughs> bumping that like in the lead up and then going there uh, to college. Party in the USA. Yeah, and that was like that. My playlist was later. that and like Asher Roth, like Deep Cuts, or just like Elf, a- dude. any song that's not I Love College to most people. But yeah, it was... Uh, Lark on my go-kart, maybe? <laughs> Dude, that song still goes so hard. His, uh, yeah, no, his like his mixtape with DJ Drama, the Greenhouse Effect, like, Greenhouse like, Effect, yeah. and the Greenhouse Effect Part Two is pretty uh, good I could, too. Like, this I is... could, we could just do an essay on our podcast on that. But yeah, who cares? <laughs> you want to know something funny? Uh, when I was at Pro Bobble with you, I DM'd Asher Roth asking him to come on the spot. <laughs> I've been trying to. He's my white whale. I've been trying to do like like a ten thousand word profile on him for five years. So Asher, if you see this somehow. <laughs> Hit me up. He seems like he's doing okay though. Like he's chilling. Yeah, kind yeah. Of, he's right? in like Philly. He's just making music. Yeah. He's like touring the Midwest occasionally. It's great. Yeah, no, he's having a fun time. It's funny that you said that on this day. So I don't, I don't talk about party in the USA, but there are two seminal moments that happened. It's really tough to find like these almanac things that I do that happened exactly that week because Entourage airs in the summertime, so there's never any sports news. There's not a ton of pop culture news. So this. Both of these things happened within a couple of weeks of this episode of Entourage, but they're very prescient for what's going on right now. Just a few weeks later, on September 13th in 2009, 
while Taylor Swift was accepting her award for best female video at the MTV Video Music Awards, Kanye West. <laughs> wait, 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 no, no, I'm gonna let you finish here. I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> he declared that Beyonce had one of the best music videos of all time. He was, of course, talking about the music video for Single Ladies. And he went on to have no issues after that, and everything that him and Taylor just wrote off in the sunset. Retroactively a correct take, but uh, yes, yeah, yes. that's like the only really good take he's had uh, in recent memory. Absolutely. And also, and this is you know six, seven weeks later, first of December two thousand nine, James Cameron's long-awaited film <laughs> Avatar was released. I just saw it for the first time, like in a re-release. Dude. That's how that's how long it's been. Dude, I did the same. Yeah. My wife was out of town and they re-released it in the theaters. I went and saw it solo, popped an edible, and I was fucking blown away. It's, a, it's an awful movie. It's a great visual experience. I, that's exactly yeah. what it was. I was like, I can't believe this dialogue is in this incredible yeah. of a movie. And the next one's going to make $2 billion and I want to see it because like... This one made yeah. with total box office earnings just short of $3 billion. It's the highest grossing movie of all time. It, incredible. So James it's so Cameron. funny that... Those two things are still very, very <laughs> relevant today. <laughs> quick, uh, quick recap of this week's episode of Entourage. Vince's mansion is broken into in the middle of the night. While the cops see no sign of an intruder, the maid discovers all of the guy's underwear has been stolen. So Ari urges Vince to call his security guy. Lloyd informs Drama that he's not needed on set that day, and the guys tell Drama to suck it up and apologize to Dan Coakley. He starts his new job and immediately bumps up against fellow manager Scott when he mentions that he knows Bob Saget, who Murray is eager to sign. And when Saget will only talk to E and demands to have sex in Murray's office as a stipulation for signing, Scott makes E take the offer to Murray, who ultimately agrees. And after several failed attempts at apologizing, Drama finally grovels in person to Totally, and Totally tells him he's not firing him, but instead he's going to torture him. Meanwhile, Vince and Turtle go gun shopping, thinking they can handle security themselves, and they're dismayed to find there's a 10-day waiting period. So when Drama brings some guns home and one goes off, Vince decides it's finally time to call in the professionals. Connor. What was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? So, I mean, I'll elaborate this on, or elaborate on this eventually, but I mean, this was sure. dramas. This was like a tour de force by, by, by drama. Uh, he killed Incredible. this. Um, so it was very hard for me to pick, but I think the exchange where he bribes the security guard with the, <laughs> not like the massage or anything, the cookies and the cupcake and the gift basket that he was going to bring to Coakley. Uh, that was that one stood out, but I mean, I could have picked four or five from this episode just with drama. Sprinkles cupcakes too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, you had lays the, oh, the, that's oh, the cherry. Oh, you got the chocolate chip too. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, I've been there. I, I, I've done more for less. What are you doing, drama? Lawrence, I'm desperate. You know me three years. You know I'm a good guy. You know I take my job very seriously. And you know there's no way I can let you in that lot. See this gift basket over here? It's yours if you do. Come on, man. What's he got? Fruit or some bullshit in there? Three different iPods, cherry-infused Godiva chocolates, Peter Thomas Roth wrinkle peel pads, cookies from the luscious. Cookies. Chocolate chip. Sprinkles cupcakes, too. All right, go on. But you tell me you went through gate four to get caught. You got it. You know what? We'll talk more about the actor who plays the security guard, but... Uh, working a dead end job like that, you just you know little sweets keep you alive, keep yeah. you keep you alert is what I was gonna say. Uh, we are gonna talk about Bob Saget a lot, but <laughs> my favorite moment from this episode is when he ultimately asks E for the favor to have yeah. sex in Murray's office. The way he asks him, he's like he's so cocky and so confident when um, Scotty Lavin's in the room, but then when he's with E, he says a million times that. Don't think I'm weird. Don't think I'm weird when I tell you this. Promise you won't call me. I want to have sex in Murray's office. I want to fuck her in Murray's office. And he's telling, <laughs> we're sorry for wasting your time. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. I'm not weird. Promise me. I'm not weird. He just says it like he's a million that, times. It's I'm practical. That's the, yes. that, that line kill me. It's, like, I'm, it's for my memoirs, which is actually like <laughs> sneaky brilliant. Because he predicted like the, if you look at the celebrity memoir industrial complex now like i mean that's the kind of story that would go viral and yep and bring you all that attention um so yeah i think bob saga was ahead of his time on that front way ahead of his time <laughs> then one of my favorite lines e are you joking and Sadit turns to his woman and goes do i ever tease when i'm talking about fucking baby and she goes nope <laughs> it's just like it's incredible it's like peak Saget if you know yep. his not full house 
sort of yep. persona. Uh, yeah, he leaned into it. Into it so like well. he probably considers sex like a religious experience, <laughs> and like he's like takes it as seriously as someone would take. Like he's like a Shaolin monk about it. Yeah. Right? Just, hey, I get it. Murray wants me on his roster, and I make so much money that it ain't gonna mean nothing to give him a commission. But I want something in return. What is it? Don't think I'm weird when I tell you this. Anything, Bob. What? Promise you won't call me weird. Just say it, Bob. I won't call you weird. I want to have sex in Murray's office. What? Yeah. I want to fuck her in Murray's office. <laughs> look, I'll, look, I get it, Bob. I, I'm sorry if you wasted it. No, I'm time. serious. I'm not weird. I'm pragmatic. This would be great for my memoirs. Murray Berenson, the guy's a legend, fucking on his couch. Come on. You serious, Bob? Do I ever tease when I'm talking about fucking, baby? No. No. I'm serious. I'm not weird. Think about it. Okay, Bob. Connor, your bro Bible. I used to be. We talk about bros being bros moments every week. It doesn't have to be like a broy moment, but it could just be a moment of male friendship or real male camaraderie. What, what do you got for this week? Uh, there's a, again, like a couple I could have picked from. Uh, ultimately, I'm going to go with when Eric goes to Murray's office and tells him sort of the ultimatum. And <laughs> so it's his first day on the job. I mean, this is the guy who owns the, the management company. Um, so yeah, it can't be a very comfortable situation to be in. And just the way that Murray acts like he's offended by it at first and he's like oh yeah no i don't give a shit like my ex my ex-wife did the design of this just get a cleaning crew uh yeah. it's just like a very just guys being dudes moment just like it's it's perfect yeah just, and especially considering the absurdity of the request and how <laughs> how easily he just laughs it off he's like oh yeah sure if it gets me 10 percent of his 50k he's making each night like why not you know what exactly. yeah this guy's just that's practical signs. too right yeah. yeah it's super practical it's it's a good way of putting it because I don't think many guys would give a shit about that. Like if, if I had an office in a, if we still all had offices, like if we, I had an office and someone was like, Hey, we can make this company an extra million dollars a year. If we can have a, let a guy have sets on your desk really quick. I'd be like, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, like, just I, go ahead and, yeah. I understand why Eric like went to him with it too. But at the same yeah. time, I mean, he didn't even have to, like he probably no, could have just course. got away with it. I, I am worried about the logistics of that office because yes. it's, I mean, it's all glass. I don't know. How they were going to arrange that. Maybe that'll be answered in another episode. But yeah, uh... I wish. <laughs> Bob Saget would like to have sex in your office. What? Yeah, he said it'd be good for his memoirs, and he'll sign with us if we'll or if you'll let him. Are you asking me if Bob Saget can fuck in my office? I'm just repeating the information. Maybe I made a mistake with you. No. This isn't a whorehouse, Eric. This is my office. I built my business sitting right here at this desk. And you want to have Bob Saget defile it? No, look, I just, you wanted Bob Saget, and this is what he asked for. Jesus, Eric, you really make a fuck face when you're scared. What? Ring him in. I don't give a shit. My ex-wife decorated this place anyway. <laughs> really? Yeah, just get a cleaning crew in here after. OK. Good first day? Real good. Great. Maybe tomorrow you go get Christian Bale. We'll let him execute a cinematographer if he wants. See you later. <laughs> so I would say, like, it's either when they all come together, when they find out that Vince's house is broken into, they all show up, they're all there for him. Like, even Ari shows up. That's pretty, like, that's pretty bros being bros, just having your buddies back. I think for me, it's them being dipshits with the guns at the end and, like, <laughs> pretending like they know what they're doing. Turtle doing the movie quote. And then yeah, drama being like... His Joe Pesci, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> iconic movie quote but drama being like be careful this is a gun it's loaded and then he sets it off it's so good <laughs> and then if you watch the scene he like stumbles backwards and like presses the gun on the table the yeah and you're like, dude what are you gonna <laughs> shoot your brother's kneecap off like it's insanity uh ari yeah. has a line earlier where he's talking to vince and totally goes don't get a gun and vince goes why not and Ari goes, it's not going to be a great stir. It's not going to be a great story if Turtle shoots you in the face. It's so true. Like <laughs> none of these guys have wielded guns before, but uh, you know they feel like they have to for, to, for, to watch. Yeah, the it's boys like back. yeah, it's such an absurd contrast. Um, yeah. but it's also incredibly predictable. I mean, given the, <laughs> their past history, yeah, and, and history of short sightedness. But yeah. it's it's a it's kind of a rare funny moment with guns. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's yeah. Not, like, it's not a done humor isn't funny anymore, but like it, it, it works. 
in a way. Right now, I'm just worried about my baby Brock. Don't. I'll be fine, too. Well, I know you will be. Oh, huh? Huh? so where'd you get these? John Millie's his garage sale. Are they loaded? Of course they're loaded, bro. You can't protect yourself with an empty gun. So you're really gonna shoot this guy if he comes back? Would you rather wait for the cops to come back and find us tied up and drained of all our blood? Where's my drink, Spidey? You mutter and stutter and prick you. you fucking idiot. It's a loaded weapon. Oh, oh, oh. I think we should call Ari's security guy. Yeah. Easy as his name and the boy's coming. Straight out of Compton. It's a brother that I'll smother you. Connor, what was your least favorite moment? So that's the perfect segue into my buzzkill line. Uh, probably the scene in the gun store, I just like yeah. didn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, like you got the throwaway line about like calling your politicians about the waiting period. You have like the big knife joke, crocodile Dundee beat to death yeah. like 20 years before. Um, like, yeah, there's that slightly amusing visual of Vince holding the laughably large. Yeah, uh, the Clint Eastwood like. Whatever. Yeah, like the, the, the tremendously long barrel. Um, <laughs> And like I know that when you're talking about honorage, like you can't really complain about like this scene had no reason to exist because it didn't push the plot forward because like it's honorage, but at the same time, yeah. it's just like we didn't need this. The episode could have been entirely the same without it. It's funny, it's pre it's like so relevant because we just had the election day, it was yesterday, and so like all of these props about like, you know, gambling in California and like all these things that I was like, oh, this feels like something I would have had to vote on yesterday. Like right. <laughs> gun control and something like that. Sir, we'll take a whole bunch of these. Good choice. So what do you do? Just brown paper bag it and we're off? Uh, unfortunately, we got a 10-day waiting period in California. 10 days? We got to protect ourselves now. Call your government. So what can we get to tide ourselves over? You like knives? My least favorite moment? So obviously we know that Entourage does a really good job of showing us like the inner workings of Hollywood. What happens behind closed doors with meetings, with actors, celebrities, etc. This first meeting that E has at Murray Berenson's, like his, his new job, the signing meeting. It's just Murray going around and asking his employees, who have we signed? And then his employees go, I've almost signed so-and-so. And Murray's like, that's not good enough. You got to sign them. That's not how that goes. Yeah, and I'm shocked that like Murray's not doing like the old time Carney voice. It's like, well, come back to me, you sign him, kid. And it's yeah. just like it's so rapid fire. And I get it. It's almost like if like Sorkin just wrote like a shitty scene of Honorage, that's almost what it came off as. Yeah. There's some funny yeah. interplay and like some clever lines, but it's just it's so it felt very sloppy to me. And like, the, speaking of sloppy, there's one guy, speaking of deep reads of the episode, who his tie was like <laughs> two inches from being not it was just not a good look if you're yeah. in the um, pitch or the pitch slash signing meeting with your boss like there were some retroactively regrettable outfits throughout the episode but that one really really stuck out and just this whole idea that we gotta get bob sad why aren't we getting 15 percent of them and then when we see scott lavin and e pitch sad they don't have anything to like give him. They don't have anything to promise him. They're just like, you know, Stadi does, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but Stadi does his like, I will be there day and night for you. It's like, what, what is, what does Murray Berenson's management company have for Bob Sadit? Like no one has actually successfully pitched or sold anybody in any of these scenes. So it's also, he almost subverted it too. Cause he mentions in the, the meeting that Chris Rock is somehow making less money than Bob Sack in, in <laughs> 2009. And yeah. like, so like, if you're the manager, you should be like, Hey, I, I have Chris Rock. Who's probably more famous than you are. Uh, and he's somehow making less money than you, but no, you should hire me. That's just, yeah. I, I know they avoided that pitch because it wouldn't have worked, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's always sort of that, that always be hustling Hollywood culture thing. But, I guess uh, it just yeah. it, it didn't work for me and just like us and just from like a pure like mechanic side of like how this show works usually you get to see like some cool behind the scenes stuff how the sausage like is made right yeah. yeah exactly before we jump in today we need to welcome our newest family member Mr. Eric Murphy catch him up show him around I want him feeling like he's been here all his life by the end of the day Eric Murphy catch you a cup of coffee Mr. Murphy oh thank you very much and these just came from the front desk for you. Uh, well, I, I didn't order any pizza. Ari Gold sent them. Uh, the delivery guy said to tell you good luck, and you're no longer a pizza boy, you're now a pizza man. <laughs> cool. Okay, let's get to it. This is a signing meeting, so tell me, who have we signed? 
I have Penelope Cruz, like, right there. Right there is not there. What else? I signed Neil Elman. Tell me about it. Uh, hot young writer-director out of Sundance uh, has two specs ready to go. When they sell, we'll clap for you. Uh, on the comedy front, Chris Rock is doing a new tour so you can applaud me for saving your asses. Silently. But why is Bob Saget making 50 grand a night and we're making dick? <clears throat> I've called him 20 times. Won't return my calls. You've called him, Scott. Everyone, let's give Scott Lavin here a big morning clap because he called Bob Saget. Hi, Bob Saget. This is Scott. Please call me back. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he wants a manager. Nobody wants a manager. Convince him that he needs I one. I would love to, but he won't return my calls. Well, stake out his fucking house. Uh, you know, I used to live next door to Bob. I know him a little bit. I can call him. So, let it be said, let it be done. What was the most entourage moment from this episode, Connor? This isn't a category we had when I had you on a couple seasons ago. So it just basically means like whatever you think that means. Yeah. So this one, you could almost exchange it for the bros being bros, but I yep. feel like spiritually that's, I mean, that is entourage is just bros being bros. Whole shows, um, yeah. But for me, again, drama is going to be the star of so many of the answers here. Um, it's when he initially goes to the lot after getting informed that he's not allowed on. Um, and he's on the phone with Coakley at the security shack. And he's like, you can see he's really trying to keep his cool. He's trying to keep it together. But he's like so determined to defend Turtle's honor. And by yep. by extension, Jamie's honor that he flips the switch. Like he goes from, you're a dead man, totally. Uh, yeah, calm and composed. He's like, <laughs> please, you can almost, you can see the anger keeping on his face too. And then he literally says like, I, hey, I'm like, I'm trying here. I'm like, I'm yeah. trying to keep it cool. And five seconds later, he's threatening to rip his scalp off. <laughs> <laughs> which is like i don't want to say how relatable it is for me as someone with like a similar temperament um, but it's like i've been there it's like when you're you're in your buddy's corner there's someone giving your buddy shit and it's like i, I i'm trying here but like you push me too far and i think in fairness he he was pushed a bit too far so here's a completely out of the box question for you you're you're a tall guy i'm friends with couple guys around your height and they all have extraordinarily long fuses do you have an extraordinary long fuse but when you get there do you just snap or it's a, it, short temper it depends on the situation okay uh, i think living in new york for a decade has really winnowed down the length yeah. of that fuse yeah, um, and i find that just being a large human and yelling loudly tends to solve yep. problems a bit quicker than being diplomatic a lot of the time. That's what my friends say is uh, no one really fucks with me or like it's in my face. Yeah, I've like had that. maybe one person ever that was like dumb enough to try to fight me. Yep. And yep. he had three friends immediately just be like, dude, that's not a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> yep. Yeah, when I go out with them, I feel like uh, a superhero because I'm just like, I'm, or no, I'm protected by my superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have some interesting stories about actually stepping up to like def be defend my friends from from threats uh from people that weren't aware that i was affiliated and that's a bros and that's a bros being bros moment for you yeah it's great and it's like it's one of the stories that you just pull out and the people are like there's no way that actually happened and it's like yeah i mean it did baby it happened. Yeah, here, here's a bunch of people who can bat it up stop calling the office john stop lurking outside and stop trying to push me Please just let me in so we can talk. What's to talk about? I'd like to apologize. I'm not interested in an apology. Come on, Dan, we had words. Men do this. You put your hands around my throat. Men sometimes do that also. And look, you said some pretty awful things. Oh, so you're not really apologizing. You're just making excuses for attacking me. No, I So just... if I was to tell you that Meadow Soprano blew me last night, you might just go and attack me again. Dan. The fact is, she's here right now sucking on my dick, John. All right, that's enough, all right? I'm trying here. Try harder, John. Because she is about to swallow my balls while I dive into her pussy. That's uh. it. You're a dead man, Coakley. Do you hear me? You're a fucking dead man. I'm going to rip your fucking scalp off. Hello? My most entourage moment. Again, I probably watch the show too closely because I have to. You know, I watch this episode three times. I watch every episode many times and I have to think about this show like often. So the episode begins with the break-in. And then we cut to the morning. There are cops crawling all over the house. Drama finds out his scene's been canceled. The boys are talking it all over. On the balcony where there's still a full breakfast spread with like biscuits and strawberries. Yeah. I'm like... Even when there's a robbery, these guys can't pass up, like, cooking breakfast and having, like, a moment to death. Because so many of their scenes, especially this season, take place, like, on this 
outdoor terrace eating breakfast. Did drama like first chop up a bunch of strawberries and like cook some biscuits or like, do they have a cook that we've never seen? It just, for some reason made me laugh so hard. I'm like, a, a robbery's taking place. There's been some trauma, but somehow here we are all having breakfast. I know like drama, if I remember correctly, in the earlier seasons, like made it a point of pride to cook for them too. So like yep. knowing him, he was just probably like very angrily tra- chopping the strawberries after learning he wasn't invited on set. But he was like, "No, I'm gonna like I'm gonna get I'm gonna give my big bro biscuits." <laughs> like it's just one at of this those point in the things. show, he's he's no longer living with them. He has his own apartment, but we haven't seen the apartment all season. So he just kind of comes and goes like. He never is like I'm heading home, but they'll be like drama. Go back to your place, and they never show drama. It's like the, it's like the Kramer of yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep, I'm at this point. Oh God, Connor, there are so many lines or quotes from this episode, and they're all pretty much around drama. I want to start with a turtle Ari one, then I want to hear something of yours. Ari shows up in the only scene that Ari's in actually in this episode when he kind of comes over and is like, "You guys need to not get a gun, hire my security guy." Turtle goes, I didn't realize you were such a pussy, Ari. And Ari goes, I didn't realize your cat dog was as worthless as you, Turtle. It's so fucking good. It's just like the perfect amount of insulting and cutting. Yeah, and no, my, my favorite line in all of Entourage's smoke more weed turtle and they had that like that exact same energy so i really yeah. love that it was so dismissive and like i'm looking down on you in the in like the strongest way <laughs> yeah um and for me this is a conscious decision i again like you said there's so many to pick from this one um i want to do a non-drama one just because i'm okay. again talking about drama a lot yeah um but when jamie lynn sigler is talking with him about setting up coakley and she's like oh like wear a wire which is like very, not like a super intelligent joke, but like yeah. a very funny nod to The Sopranos and nice, The yeah. Wire on HBO. It's like, you don't yeah. really expect those levels of humor sure. uh, on Entourage all the time. Um, so it was kind of like, it was a quick, sort of easy to miss, not like laugh out loud funny. I didn't even make that connection, like because everyone in Sopranos is wearing a wire by the right. end of it. And like, she, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's really nice. Um, and it's like, I don't even know if that was a conscious thing, but it is, it was just like, oh, a nice little wink and a nod. I love that, yeah. And I so appreciate you sticking up for me. But he didn't say any of those things to me. He's trying to lure you in. Well, that won't happen. But maybe you can lure him in. What do you mean? Go visit him. Wear something sexy. Smell nice. Get him a little excited, maybe. Maybe wear a wire? Would you? No! Johnny, I know the spot you're in. And I feel so bad because I was involved in causing it, but he really didn't do anything to me. I'm really sorry. I understand. What are you going to do? I don't know. I've got... All right, let's start with some drama ones. Uh, <laughs> drama. Come on, Dan. We had words. Men do that. Coakley, you put your hands around my throat. Drama. Men sometimes do that also. <laughs> <laughs> and then the best one, which is when he's in his office and he's kind of doing his fake, you know, uh, groveling. He goes, constantly i feel the need to overcompensate i don't know if it's because i felt ma loved my brother more than me or because my father started calling me a pussy at the age of three <laughs> totally just like oh, oh like the, the catholic guilt energy just radiating <laughs> off of him in that scene was amazing and then last one i'll do this one to dan totally actually it's 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 when he basically says that i'm not gonna fire you eddie burns stay of execution but it does mean that I'm going to torture you and drama does how. And he looks into like drama's eyes and gives this like devil's grin. And it's just like, tune in next week. <laughs> like, dude, that is the most like weekly television series, like quote ever. And it's so funny. Like, it's funny uh, too. Yeah. Cause he referenced sort of the, like I've made so many like bad top TV shows too. Yep. It's like they, they, they balance that very well. And it is appropriate too. Cause it feels like this entire episode was sort of like gearing it was, was sort of a like, see you next week episode the amount exactly. of stuff that got yeah. set up there and, and, and we talked about this before we got, got on but like we we did a bunch of new characters that are introduced we set a bunch of things in motion that's what they should do it's the midpoint of season six we're headed towards kind of a disastrous season seven so it's it's nice it's it's uh yeah the, the boys need to start doing a good thing before it falls apart and they have to start yep. from scratch again so. right that's right this morning you were right i wasn't sincere I, I was making excuses for my actions See, Dan, I have impulse control issues, topped with anger management problems, mixed in with desperate insecurities. Constantly, I, I, I feel the need to overcompensate. I don't know if it's because I felt Ma loved my brother more than me or because my father started calling me a pussy at age three. 
But here I am exposed to you, offering you my sincere, most heartfelt apologies. I just, you know, when you said those things that you said about my buddy's girlfriend, I, uh, well, you, you know what you said, right? I mean, tell me again what, what you said, Dan. It's cool, I won't get mad this time. You can tell me. Tell me, tell me again what you said. What are you doing, John? What? What are you, are you recording this or something? What? We're not producing enough bad cop shows to know when somebody's wearing a wire. Oh, Dan. <laughs> What's in your pocket? Nothing. I see something. Oh, that's my cell phone. Take it out. Dan, John, take it out. Don't fire me. Please, please, this job is everything to me. It's all I got. I worked 18 years to get to this position. I know I got problems. I know it. Uh, I'll work on it. Uh, I'll paint your house. I'll wash your car. Please, Dan, I'm at your mercy. Please, ah, get, please. Get up. I'm not going to fire you. You're not? You got a stay of execution from Eddie Burns. Really? Plus, I kind of figured that if I do fire you, you might actually find a job somewhere else. So what does this mean? It means I'm going to torture you. Oh. Tune in next week. Every week we talk about music, and I'll be honest, going back the last three, four weeks, there hasn't been any standout songs in the soundtrack of the episodes. Like, literally, from episodes four, five, six, and seven, there's only one song that stands out to me. It's the closing credits song. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a great needle drop, the straight out of Compton. I mean, considering the context, because it's so... You see in that scene, again, like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the gun subplot, but yeah. at the same time, like, it really cemented just how out of their element everyone is when it comes to guns and it's like these it's funny because you get the, the that fake new york tough bravado yeah. all the time and the yeah. second they have a live ammunition in their hand like it all goes to hell yep um and it's like you know that they were they were bumping straight out of compton like when they were still in queens uh and like aspiring to be that <laughs> that california that west coast and then ended up in <laughs> a terrace overlooking la but um yeah i mean it that was really the only one that stood out, but um, also like could have done much worse to close it out. No, totally. It's a great ending. So I just mean like throughout the episode, sometimes we'll get four or five different, you know, needle drops throughout an episode. So straight out of Compton, NWA. Interestingly enough, Scott Venner, the music producer, started the credit songs with the third verse of the song. I didn't even realize that. Interesting. Okay. Easy is his name and the boy is coming. I don't know why. Straight out of Compton. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's no best or worst celebrity cameo. There's just There's one only one. Cameo, and it's the best. And it's the best. <laughs> Bob fucking Saget. Bob fucking Saget. I have that written down. Bob fucking Saget in my notes. Amazing. R.I.P., man. Jesus. Oh, man, yeah. Like I said, I think I mentioned this earlier, but it is really just the encapsulation of Bob Saget's yep. non-Full House essence, just unbridled and on full display. Uh, and he could have done a better job. I ranked all the Entourage cameos for Complex back in 2019. And Bob Saget was number five overall for his, like, he's in, I think he has, like, five or six appearances in the show. This is only his second. That's out of 120-plus cameos. He's so good. He's a top fiver. Scotty Lavin. What you do not know about me is that I am 24-7. That is my middle fucking name, Scotty 24-7 Lavin, which means that every time you turn around anywhere, anytime, you'll be looking at great. You'll be looking at this. Bob, that's just great, Scotty. That's just what I want to be looking at while I'm sniffing a line of blow off her ass, your fucking face. That really completes the image. Do you believe that, Scotty? Because if you believe that, you'll believe the commission checks in the mail, too. That's so good. And it's funny, we were talking about earlier, like, sort of their lack of sales pitch. Um, yes. I do think Bob Saget asked a very good question where, when Scotty's like, I'll kill for you. And he's like, what if I kill? Which, <laughs> which is like, that's kind of what you want from you want to know when you sign with a business manager or entertainment manager like yeah like if if i call you up at 2 a.m and like there's a dead body suspicious circumstances like what are you going to do i mean that 10 15 percent i mean that's that's, that's going to pay for it like that's a yes. very good i think sort of litmus test for, for a manager so what are you going to do if i kill someone it's so it's so good he's actually he's playing the game right in that moment and then Ultimately, he's like, I just want to talk to a guy I know who I'm friends with, who I used to live in that sort of... The entire thing about, like, the amount of puss that used to roll out of these guys' house <laughs> makes my house look like a monastery. <laughs> he, just was, he was, like, in awe. He was in awe of Vince and the boys. He just and it's to funny, too, them. because kicking Scott out of his own office is, like, very, like, alpha energy, yes. as, as yes. we would say nowadays. But then you can... Yeah, there's that deference to, I think, the entire... The, 
the titular entourage uh, yep. of like witnessing their exploits. Who's um, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the, this would be great for my memoirs is just like, I just mm-hmm. say that line for that could have been the funniest line of the episode, but I wanted to just save it for the dedicated segment. I might just start saying that, you know, right. Be great for my memoirs. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bob, what you do not know about me is that I am 24 seven. That is my middle fucking name, Scotty247 Lavin. What that means is that every time you turn around, anywhere, anytime, you will be looking at this. That's just great, Scotty. That's just what I want to be looking at while I'm sniffing a line of blow off her ass, your fucking face. That really completes the image. Do you believe that, Scotty? Because if you believe that, you believe the commission checks in the mail, too. I understand, and you're reluctant. But I want you to know that I swear to God, on my mother, I will kill for you. You will? Yes. What if I kill? What do you mean? I mean, what if I kill somebody late at night and I call you up and I go, hey, 24-7, I'm fucked. I just killed a guy at some cracked den in the hood. Would you come down there in your silver 750 and pick me up and help me chop up the body and dispose of it and then take me home and bathe me and then tuck me in? Would you do all that for me, Scotty? Because I would do that for me. Keep 10% of the money that I make. Bob, we're done now, Scotty. I'm going to talk to E. So, what's up, E? How are you, Bob? I'm almost as good as she looks, but not nearly as good as she tastes. Oh, you're so sweet, Bob. <laughs> so who's Vince fucking? Oh, uh, no one specific. Oh, come on, don't hold out on me. I know, you know, he's just, he's having fun. Did he do Milano in the tail? What? No. I saw her coming out of the house one night. Oh, no, she was with drama. I used to live next door to these guys. The puss that rolled in and out of there made my house look like a monastery. <laughs> That's great. Let's, can we get back to this? Actually, no, Scotty, we can't. Not with you here, because you make me unfucking comfortable I'm just going to talk to E now. Would you leave? This is my office. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to stain anything. Don't worry about it. Okay, so this is a newer Tatador. Best perk. Swag, VIP access, maybe a car. I think there's only one. It's that fucking diff bag, right? I got a second one for you. Let's, um, let's hear the second one, then we'll talk about the diff so bag. So this could be me reading too much into the situation, but I think it seemed like they were like pretty tight with the cops that rolled up to investigate That's it. actually true. Yeah. So like being on a first name basis with LAPD is like, that's there's certainly worse things to have in your corner when you need yes, to make yes. a phone call. I think that also, though, happens, though, because Vince is such a recognizable person. They kind of address him like they know him, and that's the problem that, like, TV and Hollywood... That's and what I was trying... Actors. I was trying to weigh that, but I still feel like they would have gone with a Mr. Mr. Chase. Mr. Chase, yeah. That, that did seem strange, that the, the tops were just like, hey, Vince... You know what? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I it's didn't check. I didn't check the IMDb. Maybe there's there recurring characters that uh, have a, <laughs> a deep relationship with Vince that I was unaware of. But um, as someone who checks the IMDb's frequently for the show, <laughs> I don't think I don't think they're recurring characters. But it's a that's a good call out. Being tight with the local PD is uh, very beneficial, especially if you're a celebrity. Loud parties, maybe you know. Get behind the wheel. I was gonna say, like, they had a bunch of drugs in that house, and they still called the cops. So, like, they 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 knew that they had someone on their side. Exactly. So, the perk I was talking about was the diff basket that drama's bringing. You mentioned it earlier when uh, Lawrence, the security guard, and him are kind of negotiating. But the diff basket sounds pretty sweet. Three different iPods, Godiva chocolates, a Peter Thomas Ross wrinkle peel pad, cookies from Delush's chocolate chip, and and sprinkles cupcakes. Dude, how many fucking chocolate things do you need? That and why does it have three different iPods? Was that a mini, a classic, and an original? I think it was. A, I think it was a callback to um, the beginning when he's asking, like, should I do X, Y, or Z? And he just they all tell like, him, no. I'll, I'll, I'll do everything instead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, let, let me just get a basket with all the things you told me not to do. Um, exactly. And again, like, I mean, it did work out in his favor. Um, yes. Big, big, yeah. big friends in small places. Again, that's, I mean, yeah, that's the perk you want to have there. So, so we're introduced to a new female character this week. It's E's assistant, Brittany. She's played by Kate Mara. Kate Mara. Yes. And we have a category it's called Keeper Sleeper. Kind of works for this. Like, would we want to keep her around for more than one episode, or do we just want to see one of the guys let's sleep with her and then she's gone a week later? I don't know. I think from from like what we know about her, she sticks around through the rest of this season. I think she might even be in early next season. I think she's worth keeping around because she can hang with the guys. She's talking like a a chick written by a bunch of men. Yeah, right. The only thing that is awful about her is like I'm one of the guys. But like yeah. aside from that, the personality is like she yeah, she comes off very very chill, very like again someone that you want to have on your side, someone you want to have in your corner. 
Yeah, uh, not a lot of dyes love females that say I'm just one of the dyes. <laughs> it doesn't really No, it's just like it's not a thing that I think it's a cliche that was like beaten to death probably in around 2009. Yep. So, I mean, in fairness, this just may have aged somewhat poorly because it's been so long and they were sort of hopping onto that bandwagon. But uh, I enjoy her as an, act- as an actress and I think she did. She was solid in this. Take care. It's nice to meet you, too. Hey, hey, Bert. You need anything? Uh, yeah, actually, I needed to send Ari Gold something. Sure, no problem. What is it? Oh, actually, I was thinking maybe there was a guy in the mailroom that could help me with Eric, this. Eric, don't worry about it. I'm like one of the guys. I've only been working for you for two hours, and the pizza thing pissed me off. Just let me know what I can do. Okay. Murphy Group. What? Murphy Group. Sexy. I've talked to your man alone for a beat. Sure, douchebag. Mm. Told you I was one of the guys. I'll be in your office. Okay. Kate Mara, along with her twin sister, Rooney, her parents are Tim Mara, an NFL scout and vice president <laughs> her, her, her of New York billionaire, Her billionaire family. That. Yep. And she's a great granddaughter of New York Giants founder Tim Mara and Pittsburgh Steelers founder Art Rooney Sr. It's <laughs> fucking insanity. Yeah, I remember seeing her in House of Cards the first time and someone like researched that. And they're like, oh yeah, no, she's just like the new Julie Louis-Dreyfus where it's like you don't really have to work a day in your life. But hey, you know what yeah. she did? She did a good job, so... And she's, and I think she's good in everything she does. Like, I don't think she's, she's not a glaringly. And, and she comes off as like one of like the girls that hangs with the guys too. She has that, that essence, that aura about her. Um, Even though she did not grow up like you and I grew up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's a, here's a Kate Mara story for you. I got married in Big Sur, California in 2018. And we stayed at a very nice resort. It was called the Ventana Resort. And it was one of those places that like, I would never be able to afford to stay at. The only reason we able, we were able to because there had been a landslide the year before that had cut off a bridge going to Big Sur. And Big Sur is only one way in and one way out. It's this bridge. So they were cut off from civilization for like six months. People were literally hiking this canyon to get to Big Sur, California, where this hotel was located. The day the bridge opened, like literally they, they rebuilt it in six months, we drove across and just put deposits down at all these places <laughs> that had been out of business for six months and we got like a little block of rooms at this this place that's probably now like thousands of dollars a month, uh, thousands of dollars a night. We got for a couple hundred dollars a night for our wedding weekend, which is awesome. And we are at the pool the day of my wedding. So just I did a little sun, had a little breakfast, and I go sit in my pool chair. And I'm sitting, and my wife, my fiance is sitting there. And on the other side of us is Tate Mara. You know what that is? That's a nice touch. All right. There he is. <laughs> That's sticky. You got it. Everyone's got to say it to me at least once. <laughs> I was saving it. Yeah, yeah. That felt like the right moment. I'm, I don't think I'm going to regret that one. What was also very cool, and this isn't a sound I'm name dropping, but I don't know. Like, I, this. think of these who these two actresses are, how big they are at the time, especially. We were going, like, we had to go check at the lobby or check at the hotel, check in for something. We had to make sure someone got something. And standing there is Emma Stone and her husband. I'm just like, <laughs> did every famous person come in town for my fucking wedding this week? Big Sur is a tiny little town. It is not like some yeah. big, glorious like resort area. It's very small. So it was just, I always think about that. Like Emma Stone and Tate Morrow were at my wedding, technically. <laughs> <laughs> technically, uh, technically, that's all that matters. So. Yep, that's it. How would this episode be different today plot-wise, uh, Connor? Uh, Bob Saga wouldn't be in it. Uh, that's uh, a killer. <laughs> I know, but like, I really couldn't think of that much. Um, the only thing that came to mind really was the opposite of this. And so I'm sorry for hijacking your question. No. Um, but it's wild that uh, Scott, when he's sort of telling Eric about the role that they have to play, he compares himself to like LeBron James <laughs> making $120 million. And like 13 years later, that line's still shockingly relevant. So relevant. For, yeah. for a person that has no business still being as good as they are. Yep. Uh, I love that. Again, yeah, 13 years after this was released. Um, and even more apropos because he's in LA now. Yeah. yeah. So. Maybe a line that aged very well. I should have that as a category. What aged well about this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel, yeah, in honor eyes, like half the time I feel like that's going to be <laughs> the easier thing to point out. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I was going to say, yeah, what, do you have anything? I have one, and it's not even that, it's not well thought out, but the way home security is now with Rain and Vivint and like, I have fucking sensors and cameras around the entire perimeter of my wall of my house and if a fucking raccoon knocks into my garbage can my whole yeah. phone goes up i just i just feel like obviously like vince is a celebrity and it, it kind of makes it seem like oh i forgot to set the alarm i've to but like someone would be on that like e would have the fucking ring app and be like vince someone's in the house i don't yeah. know just would the security situation wouldn't be as lax in my opinion that's a good point actually you know you mentioned it 
But in 2009, I bet celebrities kept their doors open. In 2022, like everyone's under a fucking <laughs> yeah. lock and key. Okay, faces in the crowd. This is a quick category. I'll do this one. So the security guard on the studio lot, Lawrence. He's played by an actor named Terrell Ramsey, but his Hollywood name, Connor, is Fatso Fasano. Wow. He doesn't have a super robust resume. However, he's best known besides like a role like this. He played Marvin the drug dealer on the television series Weeds from 2006 to 2012. And now, and I've, I saw Weeds back in the day. I don't know if I watched it all the way through, but like as soon as I saw that, I was like, damn, he was on like six seasons of Weeds. So that's fucking crazy. Yeah, do you, do you want to do you want to go meta with the IMDb right now? Yeah, because yeah. I looked up the list that he shows drama. Uh, oh, no the way. band list. I love it. Going the extra mile. And one of the guys has one single credit. I don't know if it's necessarily the same person. There's no picture of him on IMDb. What was his name? Uh, I don't remember the Sorry. top of my head, but uh, he his sole credit is a bodyguard in Bloodsport, which again could have just been a wild coincidence, but. Um, that's a very like fun Easter egg there. Absolutely. <laughs> a bodyguard in blood sport sounds like something our friend Mike Tamerlingo would say in one of his videos. <laughs> <laughs> sounds just like a like a Tamerlingo reference like off the dome. <laughs> and there's a bodyguard in blood sport. <laughs> Looking like a bodyguard from blood sport. Yeah. That's uh, there's so so many people are gonna get this bit. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our, our internet friends bit. People Tamerlingo's been on this pod a million times, so it's yeah, you know, hopefully people are following. Mike, and if you aren't, go follow Sitsy Set in Classes. He deserves it. Okay, Sits Man. We're not to talk about Scott Con, Scotty Lavin. AKA Mad Skills, one half of the early 90s hip hop group, The Hooligans, with super producer Alchemist, AKA Medfoot, best known for the Logic Forgotten single, Put Your Hands Up. Scott <laughs> Con, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I was so excited to see Scott Con. I'm such a Scott Con fan. <laughs> I was gonna say all of that, but you you beat so me. To that's the like I didn't even have to write that down. Like I, yeah, no. Scott Kahn's career arc is so funny because I feel like his dad just called him up in like the <laughs> mid two thousands, and was like, "Dude, like I'm acting on Las Vegas with Josh Duhamel. Like you don't have a job," and so he's like, "Fine, like I'll we'll get a part in Entourage and then spend like twelve years on what like NCIS Hawaii or whatever it is. Hawaii Five O. He was uh, on Hawaii 2010 Five O to twenty twenty. I mean. Played one of the Malloy twins in Oceans 11, 12, and 13. I'm sure he wasn't like the That's right. I forgot. Yeah, with, with Casey Affleck, too. He did. That was the yeah, first time I was ever like exposed to Scotty Khan. And uh, yeah. I, I love me some Scotty. And he's like, this is incredible, Scotty. The fact that he is trying to alpha E the entire time. And like, let's be honest, we're tall guys. Oh, <laughs> Connolly's. Connolly's not very tall, and I think Scott Con's even shorter. And it's like, no, yeah, it was like the scene in uh, the Fellowship of the Ring when Mary and Pippin <laughs> are like drunk because they find out beer served in pints. Yeah, it's like watching those two chirp each other is like being a regular person and like seeing them get drunk and go back and forth. They're shit talking each other in the hallway, and Kate Mara walks out and she looms over them. <laughs> She's right. Like, what are, it's the heels. To, it's probably the heels. Do I need to separate you two? Like, it's so fucking funny. Um, I'm also like an absolute sucker for actors who play a character that's also their name yeah. for some reason. Is it lazy uh, or is it just... I, I like to tell myself like they can't deal with being called <laughs> other names. Like I know obviously Scott Con can, but that's sort of the, the internal logic that I like to apply to that. Yep. Uh, yep. There's also a very funny moment uh, if you were deep reading the scene with Bob Saget after he gets kicked out towards the end, you can see him pop up in the window behind and sort of like a on his tiptoes because he can't see <laughs> he can't see into his own window, but be just like trying to case and figure out what's going on. It was like very subtle, but uh, I didn't even notice it in the first watch, but it, it popped out in the second. And yeah, no, it's Scott Con. I didn't again. I think you told me this was his first episode on this. Show, first right? episode, he stays yeah. on through the end of the show, and you know, they start off as adversaries. I think it's only an episode or two, and then he becomes a bad influence on Vince next season, and then kind of like, like he's like in I think the very last episode of Entourage, so he becomes an episode or a season regular. And I never really hated him towards the end of the show. Like it always felt weird when you'd have scenes with the four guys, and then Scott Town would be there too. I'd kind of be like, what the fuck, like. <laughs> There's a new member of the entourage in this last two seasons, but I never hated him in terms of how he like interacted with the guys. Yeah, I think like the only downside is that he just has inherently has like just like the Goldman Sachs VP, just yes. like personality yes. look, kind of the aesthetic yeah, the there. Punch me in the face look. Yeah, right. You're gonna get that 
at a Hollywood talent or management yes. group as well. Um, but yeah, no, he leans into it so well. Um, and it's very funny sort of considering how much of these sausage she's seen get made given his dad and his, again, he went from aspiring rapper to like bit actor getting eighth billing and or probably like 11th billing in Ocean's yeah. 11, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Under uh, Affleck. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he, he did the best he could with this job, I think. And I think he did the best he could with his career. If you think yeah. about it, right? Like undersized son of a, screen acting legend like has a long tv career yeah get that bad cop show money exactly yeah, dude, the like, broadcast boom. cop show absolutely also fun fact has a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu so don't actually fuck with i did not know i should can we edit everything bad i said <laughs> about scott con out of this because like if he challenged me to do a fight i would lose that yep yep he'd put you in some weird i don't know <laughs> what's up so is uh this the whole group what do you mean Murray said we were absorbing the Murphy group, so I was expecting at least a trifecta. <laughs> well, it's just me. So. Mm. Well, it's a weird fucking name then, isn't it? What's up, Scotty? You seem a little tweaked. Yeah, well, I've been working two things the last month, okay? Bob Saget when the sun's up, and the Olsen twins when the sun's down, so I do not need you waltzing in here, jumping on what's mine. Yeah, well, I was just trying to help, all right? Yeah, but you didn't help, you see? Yeah, well, Murray said that this whole place is kind of like a team thing, so. Yeah, it is. And like any team, you got LeBron James, who makes 120 million. Then you got a jerk off who's on a 10 day contract. Whichever one of those you think you're going to be, neither steals the ball from the other. Look, why don't we just call Bob together? Because I don't want to call Bob together. All right? I want to sign Bob alone, and I will. Got a trash can? Thanks. We've talked a lot about drama, and we usually talk about our favorite drama moments. Is there anything else before we move on? Like, I mean, I do just want to bring it back to the one you mentioned this earlier, but that scene where he goes into the infiltrates Coakley's office. <laughs> um, it, I realized. At first, I was almost like, oh, is the iPhone not invented yet? Because, I mean, it seems like you could not, you could hide a recording fairly inconspicuously. Uh, but then as he approached it, it's like the episode of It's Always Sunny when Charlie dresses up as Serpico. And he's like, he's like shamelessly moving the mic around trying to record conversations. It was like so transparent. And it's funny because I think Kevin Dillon did a great job, like doing the rehearsed speech that drama definitely had in mind going in. Where he's like, hey, look, I have impulse control issues. And like, I'm an angry person. Um, but as soon you can see the fail drop the second Coakley sees through the facade that was so hastily built in the first place that it, it barely stood at all. Uh, my desk last week talked about this and it's always so in, amazing to watch Kevin Dillon, Kevin Dillon, an actor playing a bad actor, playing a guy, playing like, a guy, doing a bad job of <laughs> acting like he's not recording it's so it's the layers of it are so complicated that like you would never. And then you just like, like you said, like, he could have very easily hidden that so much better. And just, and then he's like, you, you remember what you said, right, Dan? It's like, dude, what are you like? And he's immediately like, what are you doing? Dan? <laughs> say it, say it closer into my pocket. Right. It's like, there's no good way to really recover from that one, but it's also, he's put them, especially because you can tell the amount of time he sort of put into preparing for that. I mean, it was, it was almost his scene of the week because he got his scenes canceled. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of shows why he's yeah. on like a. He's not. Yeah, he's, he's not sitcom. winning any Emmys. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. Yeah, we're not. We're not in Johnny Bananas territory yet. But uh, and usually we talk about our favorite Ari Gold moments, but this is the least I think we've ever seen Ari in an episode. So I think we can technically supplement his one scene he's in though with the pitch meeting where he delivers pizzas to. That's true. Which that's good, I that's, thought that's a good moment. It was a very good way to capture Ari's essence without mm -hmm. him being on screen at all. Because I think that's such an Ari goal thing to do is send probably eight pizzas with and tell him you have to say, good luck, you're no longer a pizza boy, you're now a pizza man. Like you can hear, <laughs> it's a, a female assistant saying it, but yeah. you can hear those words coming out of Ari Gold's voice the second that she says it. Um, I love I mean, that. And it's it's a callback yeah. to the, all the season one ribbing and bullshit where you just be like, why am I getting advice from your pizza boy? Like, yeah, I think it's a real testament to, is, I mean, I don't, you would know, you're the historian sort of when Ari Gold took over the, the pop culture zeitgeist, but I think it's a real testament to how much, how recognizable and just like how signature everything he said was where you don't even need to say a line to hear him say it. That's it because the way he was written in the way it was, I think it was the way he was written in the way Piven delivered it that like there's only one Ari Dolt and there there can only ever be one Ari Dolt. And that's why there can only ever be one drama too. There can, there can be a turtle, there can be an E, but those two characters, drama and Ari, that's why we have their own separate categories for them on this pod because 
every episode we discuss is so chock full of standout lines and moments from those two characters. So completely agree. That's a great call on the pizzas. Um, I, I had nothing for our adults, so yeah, we'll, 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 we'll call that. Connor, who besides Vince won this week's episode of Entourage? So, like I said, I mean, I think drama, I don't think he won as far as like moving his career forward or sure. anything, but I think from an entertainment standpoint, he won. But um, I think you got to give it to E for just dominating Scotty Lennon. Yeah, on his yeah first that's day. actually true. Um, e hasn't taught a W in a while. So, like, I, yeah, I, he was there I, for I maybe six hours and he already like established himself. He cemented himself in, a, in the right position. And also, I realize this has been the case in season one. Never noticed it. Shout out to Kevin Connolly's actual agent manager for getting him top billing in Entourage, which shocking in hindsight, uh, considering sort of the star cars. It's no and Jeremy Piven, obviously. Um, but but yeah, credit work is due to his real management team. From what I understand, Connolly was the hardest to convince to do the show because he had moved on from acting because he was a child actor. He did uh, sitcoms in the 90s and was like, he was directing. And I think it was Doug Allen who said, like, he was the hardest. To, so I'm sure they had to pitch him hard. And I'm sure they said, yeah. would it be top Person the credits. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I'm, I'm sure he's happy for it. And if you look at the credits. I wonder where he was on the call sheet, though. That's the real, that's the real question. That's, that's good. That's, <laughs> if we're talking, talking. In, if we're talking industry here. Yeah, Probably third, list. fourth. <laughs> was this an A-list, B-list, or D-list episode of Entourage? And we can do pluses and minuses. I'm going to go with B-minus list, mm. I think. Um, and this is, again, just because I... Did not have enough commitment to the bit to like watch before after this to see what it's setting up to see what true, happened true. before. Um, so it just there is a lot of filler. It feels like a filler episode. I want to say filler is probably a wrong term because I think a lot of yeah. stuff does set up things that are going to yeah, pay definitely. off. But then you have that C plot with the stolen underwear and the guns that I think is just like D list for me, yeah. too, which brings it down. I know you need the C plot, it's just dumb. The, the stolen underwear plot continues for like two more episodes. That's, like they, that's like three more episodes than we really needed. So. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, we find out that it was some co-eds from Turtle School who did it for a sorority prank. It's like, you broke into a celebrity's home. You committed a felony to like, what, get a bid at your sorority? What the fuck? Like, it doesn't make any sense, but. Yeah, Soka, I mean, Soka line's a powerful drug, but it's just, yeah, I don't. <laughs> but you know what, like, the drama stuff, so good with Totally. Like that's that's A plus for me. Yeah. And then, you know, everything else, the 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 lab the study lab and E stuff, that's like probably a B. And then you're right, the rest of it's a D. So yeah, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle, B minus. I might I might now that I've mentioned I think I was being too critical, probably just because of what rubbed me the wrong way. But yeah, it's yeah. A, I think it's a solid B. I don't think we're Yeah, gonna... gotta give it to Sagitt's in there, right? Like Sagitt elevates. And, and yeah, Sagitt really did it. And then yeah, I think the in, the intro of Scotty and the dynamic with E. It was uh, yeah. Sort of made up, I think, for the lack of Ari too. Yeah, uh, totally. Like he's yeah. usually he's usually the A or B plot. I was um, shocked that yeah, that there was only one scene with him. So I think that they get the, the pettiness stepped yeah. up and delivered yeah. from another. But source. but he, I mean, not that he wasn't missed. He's always missed. Anytime he's in an episode, it's it's great stuff. But like he he wasn't missed in this episode. It was pretty chock full of stuff. I, mean, I guess you just oh, absolutely yeah the the done stuff with him maybe or something. I don't know. Connor, last question. I don't know if I asked you this last time I had you on and. I, I'm just going to ask you again. Who are you in your real life entourage? Can uh, I ask you this? I feel like you did, so I didn't prepare for it, but Damn I also it. don't remember what I answered. Let's um, just improvise. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, uh, I related a little bit too much to Johnny drama, just like <laughs> going off the handle and like reaching that boiling point and absolutely erupting. Yeah. Um, which I feel like I do most of the time it's out of, again, that loyalty to a fault to, to yeah. someone and defending someone. So, uh, yeah. And I'm, he's also taller, so I'll, I'll go with, that's right. I'll, he's I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with Johnny drama. <laughs> Connor, this has been a blast, man. It's been good to catch up. I, I, I promise I'll have you back sooner than two years <laughs> two, from now. <laughs> two, two and a half years. We'll see. Two and a half years. By the way, I was off for two of those years. So it wasn't like I it wasn't like I just didn't okay, invite I'm you. Hearing, I'm hearing a lot of excuses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where can the uh where can the listeners of oh yeah, oh yeah, follow you, find you? Uh I mean perhaps by the time this episode comes out, Twitter. Yeah. Uh <laughs> C school set stuff. Seriously. Uh if not, again, deputy editor at Bro Bible. I write mildly amusing things on the internet and have been for a decade. Um, but I'm mostly an entourage gun for hire and happy to step in whenever I can. We'll we'll definitely have you back. It's been too long. And next time I'm in New York, let's uh let's have another round of beers. Hopefully it doesn't kick off another global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, we'll put it to the test. All right. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it.